welcome to the B2B Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Molly Raycroft, joined by my assistant, Adam Harper. Hello, B2B marketers. How are you doing? And hello, Molly. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I was recently on someone else's podcast. What? How dare you? Why would you <laughs> do this to me? Um, I was lucky enough to go on the Tech Demand Weekly podcast uh, to chat about voice technology in B2B marketing, whether it's actually going to be a thing or whether it is just a fad. So if you want to check that out, as well as our podcast, be my guest. Um, Well, I mean, it sounds nearly as good as a podcast, but, you know, not really. Um, So without my Molly, what is this episode of the podcast about today? So we are speaking to Jada Borster from Workfront about the power of saying no, which Everyone finds incredibly uncomfortable at times to say, but she'll be talking about how to do it, why you should be saying no, um, and just general tips on how to do that. Um, This is following on from a blog that she wrote for B2B Marketing on the B2B Marketing website, and it did really well, had really good reception, so we thought we'd delve into it a bit deeper. So with that, shall we get started, Adam? No. Am I doing this right? (laughs) Yeah. Come on. Uh, Okay, let's do it. Let's roll. Everybody, Jada Bolster. So today we're we're going to be talking about uh, the power of saying no, which is something you wrote about recently for B2B Marketing's website. And that was actually quite a popular blog. You got a lot of uh, good reception on that. So why do you think it's important to kind of learn to say no in the workplace uh, from an early on stage in your career? So I think it's important to start with, um, it's actually about saying no to the right things, not just saying no to everything. So it's about not being a people pleaser and saying yes to everything that comes your way. Um, So in the blog, I talked a bit about outcomes versus activities. And I think um, business culture today is really centered around busyness in a lot of places. And I think it's important because if you're not careful, a huge part of that can become you working from other people's to-do lists. And that's where it's important to say no. Um, So it's not so much about learning to say no full stop, but learning to determine what's most important and prioritizing that. Um, So I would say it starts with having clear business goals, understanding how you're going to deliver on those goals um, and then knowing what's most important in your business to help everyone align and prioritize and and think about what you need to say no to. Uh, So Jada, it sounds like something that is quite universal as being useful within a business, but do you think there's any particular reason that this is something that marketers need to hear? Definitely. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that, you know, a lot of people um, in marketing live the experience that everyone thinks they're a marketer. We all have um, people who have opinions on the content that we write or the creative that we come up with and um, really understanding and valuing our own experiences and and knowing that we we add the value that we've trained to do is really important and so I think that's why as a marketer particularly it's really important to be able to to do that okay and so one of my questions for you was is it right to say no to your leader's decisions because sometimes when you're in a and you're just starting out you feel like you really need to be a able to follow your what your boss is saying um to get somewhere but if if you do have to say 
no to your leader how do you approach that and do you have any examples you could share with us Good question. So going straight in with your leader. Um, so I would say you're going to have more success if you get in before the decision's made. So your ideal situ- situations where you've built a relationship with your leader so that you become someone that they bounce ideas off and they ask for opinions before decisions are made. Um, mm-hmm. I know that's not always possible, but that really allows you to provide your input um, and also help your leader understand their blind spots and things they, they might not have thought about. Um, knowing that you know that's the ideal situation that's not everyone's situation we we've definitely all been in positions where our leaders made a decision that we don't necessarily think is right um, so in that case I would say it's really important to pick your battles um, you know where your boss is concerned you need to think long and hard about what you're going to push back on so my advice would be to try and step back and think objectively about why you think it's the wrong decision whether it's just something that's your opinion because you'd have done it slightly differently differently but ultimately would have got to the same result um, if that's the case I would say you probably want to grin and bear it and post project maybe provide some feedback to your boss about what you would have done differently and why um, if it's something you're really confident that you're not being defensive about it's not personal preference and you really think it's not going to move your business goals forward that's the time that you should push back okay is that something you struggled with when you were early on in your marketing career, like having to say no to your boss? Because it seems to me like it would be a really scary thing to do. Yeah. You know, what? I think throughout your whole career, I don't just think it's it's early in your career. You know, it's always something that you have to weigh up and go, OK, how strongly do I feel about this? I think as you get more experience, um, you learn what the right things are to push back on and and you learn what's really important to you. Um, so it's it's something that comes with time, but I don't think it ever goes away. Okay. Um, and I'm sure it's happened to you before where you've said no and your boss has said, oh, this isn't optional. You don't get to say no. Um, and they push back that way. How would you recommend someone responds where they're not necessarily given the chance to say no or push back on something? Yeah, you know, in that in that situation, again, you it depends on the situation and and what it is. But in general, I would say, you know, move forward. Your boss, you have to trust that your boss is there for a reason. They have skills, they have experience, they've likely done this job before. Um, but post the project being done, I think it's really important to have a review of, you know, if if you went through with it and you got to the end and you're like. I knew that was the wrong thing to do and it was the wrong thing to do. It's a great opportunity to have a bit of a postmortem and say, look, this is why I didn't agree with this. This is what I would have done differently. How can we use this learning for next time? You may come to the end of it and be really surprised and go, oh, actually my boss knew best in this case. So it, it very much depends. But I would just say taking learnings from every experience is really, really important. Okay. And we've spoken about you pushing back on your boss and saying no, but how about, how do you approach it if one of your direct reports is pushing back on you? How do you do that in the most appropriate way? So, um, I think this is definitely an experience thing as well. And I have definitely changed in the way I deal with this as I've kind of grown and matured as a manager. I think early in your career, it's really easy um, to get really frustrated if your team push back on you and you can think they don't respect you or they're undermining you. Um, I think that's something that happens very often with early stage leaders. 
as you grow as a leader and you get strong and confident teams around you, you actually start to appreciate it. Um, and it's definitely something I have had to work on over the years. Um, so if you if you think about um, so at Workfront, we use um, Discovery Insights, which is like a psychometric testing. So there's four colors and you lead with one of four colors. So um, I'm going to really stereotype here. There's a lot more to it than this. But if you lead with blue, you're generally very data driven and analytical. If you lead with green, you're more people focused and balanced. If you lead with yellow, you're more kind of social life and soul of the party type person and red is strong and opinionated again really stereotyped there but you you get the gist um so I lead with red so my natural tendency is to make decisions quickly based on instinct um and in some ways that's a strength of mine but it can also mean that I'm not always considering the important factors. Um, So I think that's an opportunity where having a team push back can be really beneficial. And I've found over years of working together and building trusting relationships, um, some of my team that lead with different colors have really been able to push back on me um, in a really positive way because now we have open discussions and our skills and personalities really round each other out. So It's a really important thing to see that as positive and not feel defensive and feel like you're being undermined. So you touched on something I actually thought was really interesting on the other side of this conversation, because obviously you are the leader of a team right now, Jada. Uh, Not only that, it's a team nominated for B2B Marketing Team of the Year and our awards. Congratulations. (laughs) Uh, My question is, how do you as a leader... How do you make sure you react and respond in the right way when your team push back on you and say no? Yeah, and so as I said, it's definitely something I've had to learn. Um, It didn't come naturally to me. I actually um, became a leader really early in my career. So I was promoted um, to managing a team at the age of 22. And um, I thought that to be a good leader, you had to be really strong, you had to be really determined, you had to make decisions really quickly. And while those are important things, like they are not the be all and end all of being a leader. Um, And that's something that I've definitely learned. And a big part of that is because my team have pushed back on me. And because I have had really great people around me who have enabled me and taught me to think differently about things. So with the going back slightly to what you were saying about the colours of the leaders, how is that decided at workforce? Like, work front sorry how does um how do you guys work that out like what kind of color you sit in yeah so it's so it's not actually something um that we it's not something that we own um so it's a a psychometric testing called discovery insights which is um, oh, okay which is just a system that we utilize at Workfront. so we do um, we answer a lot of questions, a lot of questions that seem very random. Um, and they come out with a profile which tells you all about yourself, your strengths, your weaknesses, the way you like to be managed, the way you manage other people, the ways to yeah. get the best out of you. And it is scary reading this thing. Yeah. I actually gave it to my husband and he was like, oh my gosh, that is so you. Um, it's really <laughs> interesting and something that we use a lot at Workfront. 
I've I've actually done one as well and yeah it's scarily accurate and I don't know whether it's a good thing like my boyfriend was the one that actually conducted the test um because he was training in how to do this for people and I don't know if it's a good thing that he now knows everything about me and how I react to every situation (laughs) I mean it's not great in arguments he knows how to get the best out of you hey yeah I'm sure Molly's still in charge though (laughs) Yeah, of, of course, course. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like say, saying no is in like almost against like human nature you I, I feel like it's almost instinctual that people want to be liked so how do you prevent that instinct of wanting people to like you to not get in the way of saying no to people because sometimes saying no can feel quite personal yeah, definitely. Um, it's easy to talk about. It's much harder to put, in, put into practice for sure. Um, I would say you need to remember that you are being paid to help your company reach their goals and move the business forward. Um, you've got to think about the reason you're hired is because you've got the skills, the knowledge and the experience to do all of that. You know, it's unlikely you were hired just to do someone else's bidding. Um, and doing your job, doing it well is the best way to earn respect. Um, I think, you know, no one wants their career to be defined by being known as that, you know, that really lovely, friendly, fun, but pretty ineffective. You know, we it, we want to be liked, but we also want to be respected and seen as someone who does a really good job. Um, so my advice would probably be, it's all about the way in which you do things. You know, you can push back. You're, you are hired to push back and say no and, and make decisions for your business, but do it in a respectful way and explain mm-hmm. your reasonings, why you do things differently. Um, and I would say most importantly, talk directly to the person you disagree with, probably in a one-to-one situation, not about them or behind their back or, you know, talking about the situation without having that one-to-one communication. Mm, okay so is it's essentially just about being honest and even though you've said no it's about almost feeling like you're putting your confidence in that person and that they're trusted definitely really over communicating if you have to say no to someone don't shy away from it don't just ignore them or you know hope that it'll go away because it won't being really proactive I think is really really important okay And how do you ensure that you have the confidence in your views? And why is that important? Because I feel sometimes I I might have a view that differs to someone else in my team. And then when they start speaking, I then doubt my my own expertise, my, my own kind of opinion. How can you kind of maintain that confidence and follow it through in a in a debate about how something should go yeah so I think there's um there's a couple of things I would say there I think what you felt there is totally natural you know how I see it is um spending time on understanding your opinions versus your convictions so we've all got opinions of things that we think and things that we would like to see done a certain way and um those are things that probably could be um if people push back and give you an alternative could be swayed you 
everyone then has a set of convictions, which I think it's important spending time figuring out what those are that are non-negotiables. So it would be a huge uphill battle for me to change my mind or change my opinion on a few real convictions that I hold. So determining your opinions versus your convictions, I would say is really important. Um, And then the other thing I'd say is, so for me, I always go back to our company goals. That's how I make sure I have the confidence in my views. So at Workfront, um, we use a concept called commander's intent, which is, um, came from the military, but it's basically about having, um, having a line, which is the single most important thing that you and your team can do. So you'd say Mm -hmm. my single most, our single most important thing is X, Y, Z. And for me, then that becomes your North star and it gives you something to align to. So if I'm questioning whether I'm making the right decision, whether I should be holding strong or something, um, it just gives me something to refer back to. And the same for my team. Um, so it helps us say, is this going to help us get closer to our single most important thing? And so when you, sorry, we're going back slightly here, but we were talking about convictions and kind of what, when you really truly believe in what you're saying, how do you back up your argument argument when, say, other departments aren't convinced by it? Do you use data or evidence with that? How do you how do you go about it? Yeah, so um, I think if you get to the point where you are um, having I don't want to say argument, but where you're you're having a discussion or a debate and people still aren't convinced, actually for me um, the first thing to do is to stop trying to convince them and take a step back and really think about the opposing point of views because if someone's pushing back on you that hard just keep pushing on them is not going to get you anywhere. So I would say if you're really getting a lot of pushback, stop, breathe and think about why uh, why they're pushing back on you and what those points of view, views are. And then you really need to just dig deeper. So what are they trying to achieve? And, and understand if the fundamental problem is that you're not aligned in your goals or you're not aligned in how you get to the, the end result. If it's that you're not aligned in the goals as a business, then that's a problem. That's that's something that really needs to be figured out. If it's just that you're not aligned in how you get to that end goal, that is a much smaller problem and much easier to solve. Um, and yeah. I think that goes back to what we were talking about earlier about everyone thinks they're a marketer. You know, we know it's one of those jobs that everyone has an opinion about. Um, So that's where you really should use your conviction to say, okay, we're aligned in what we need to do in terms of where we need to go. I am the expert in this area. So using data-driven evidence to get you to where you need to be. Um, So listen, absorb, don't get defensive and then make data-driven decisions and trust that you've got the training, the experience that will allow you to get to where you need to. Okay. And I think one of the things that um, a lot of people probably have difficulty with is deciding when, basically, when is the right time to say no? I feel like there's almost two reasons that you could say no. One, because you're actually, you are right and what you're saying needs to happen or not happen. And secondly, you have just got your heart set on something, you want it done this way and you're not kind of 
you get stuck in this rut of it must be that way, it must be that way. So how do you kind of determine when you're just being defensive and when it really is the right time to say no? Um, This is another one that definitely comes with experience. Um, There is just nothing worse than when you feel like you and your team have been working really, really hard on something and you get negative feedback, especially when you don't feel that it's justified. And I think most people's instinct is to jump on the defensive and provide reams of information about why someone's opinion's wrong and then perhaps start pointing the finger back at them and that is just not helpful. You're going to damage relationships and you're potentially going to earn a reputation as someone who can't take feedback. Um, and that means that people will just stop, stop talking to you about the issues and likely talk about them elsewhere, which is not a situation that anyone wants to be in. Um, I got some really good advice on this from um, Laura Butler, who is our Senior Vice President of People and Culture at Workfront. Um, Mm -hmm. And it really stuck with me. So there's something called the results pyramid, which talks about experiences and beliefs and actions equal culture. Um, And what she talked about was how everyone's beliefs are shaped by their experiences. So, for example, if we use the good old sales and marketing example, um, if you've got a sales team who believe that a marketing team is being ineffective and they're not producing results, um, they may be vocalizing that they feel the lead quality is low and all of those types of things. Um, it could be really frustrating, but somewhere along the way, they have had an experience which caused that belief. So as a leader, your job is then to not get defensive, but understand what that experience experience was and work to provide a different experience in the future. Um, I think often so much of this comes down to communication and transparency, but the really important thing is not jumping to the defensive and understanding that somewhere along the way that they had an experience which shaped that belief. And the only way you're going to change it is by creating a different experience in the future. Okay. And I, I think the, uh, the scary thing around saying no is, oh, what what could that kind of, what impact could that have on me? What impact could that even have on my job? What, how, what's your advice for that when you're, say, when you're teaching your team about how to say no? What's your advice? on? Is it really going to be detrimental to your career? I think not if you're saying no for the right reasons and you're explaining why. Um, you don't want to get a reputation as the person that says no all the time, um, for sure. So it's definitely a balancing act. So I think before you start saying no to things, you really need clarity on what matters to your business and what's essential to success. And so how, how often do you have the one-to-ones with all of your team? So I have um, formal one-to-ones every week. Um, We have personal development sessions monthly outside of the one-to-ones where we really focus on um, growth for the individuals in the team. And then, you know, just ad hoc, we're all sat with each other. We're all talking all the time. Um, So we have a lot of communication going on across the team. Okay. So there's plenty of opportunity to kind of bring it up in a one-to-one, basically. Because sometimes it seems almost like when you go over to your boss in front of everyone and you're like, oh, can we have a chat? It kind of seems a bit like obvious and a bit, sometimes you want to keep it low-key, don't you? Yeah, you you definitely don't want um, it to feel awkward. And, and, you know, I think 
leaders and team members have a responsibility to create um, a culture where those conversations can happen, where there is real openness, transparency, healthy debate, like that takes teams to the next level in terms of functioning. So those conversations should never be difficult. Um, They really should just be seen as very constructive. Mm. Okay. And are there times that you look back on in particular and you're like, oh, that that was a really difficult time that I had to say no? Um, I would say I don't think there's ever been like one major um, difficult situation because I do like to um, kind of operate in a transparent and respectful way before you get Mm. to the point of conflict. I would say, though, probably some of the hardest decisions I have had to make and times when it's been hardest for me to say no is when I've had to balance business needs with individual team members' needs. Um, I always really want to create a flexible working environment that allows people to do their best work. Um, So balancing tricky situations when what's best for the business may not be what someone on the team wants or needs um, is probably the time Mm. when I find it most difficult. But I would say the same principles apply, being really open, really transparent, um, have great communication and then flexibility on both sides to get somewhere in the middle that everyone's happy with. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine that is difficult. And you don't want that to kind of tarnish your relationship with your team in any way, do you? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I truly believe that um, the employees who are working in a way that is Um, that suits their life, that is flexible, that they feel like they're able to do their best work, creates happier, more productive and more loyal employees. So sometimes it can just be a really tricky balancing act, um, but one that I think is really worth the time and effort. Okay. And you mentioned that you became a leader at a really young age, 22. That is so young to be managing people. So was it earlier in the it's, I'm assuming this is earlier on that this probably happened. Was there a time or is has there been times when you feel like you, you wish you'd listened to someone who pushed back on you and you you didn't listen to them? Is there anything you learned from that? Oh my gosh, so many. <laughs> um, <laughs> honestly, earlier in my career, I could be like a bull in a china shop. And, you know, I definitely made decisions on my own without consulting other people. Um, I mentioned earlier that I started leading teams really early. And, you know, I really thought that the best way to earn respect was just being strong and making decisions and moving things forward. And, you know, as I said, those are important and they are a natural part of my character, but they really dominated who I was as a leader. And I don't think I gave team members the opportunity to push back on me um, earlier on. So Mm. if I think about what I've learned from that, it's that you actually learn and grow the most as a leader by being open to people pushing back and by listening to other people's opinions and perspectives. You know, I really believe that as a leader, you focus on trying to hire the best people that you possibly can and hiring those sort of people and then not listening to them is absolutely criminal. And so I've learned the most important thing is having a really strong team who complement my skill set and allow them to excel, allow them to push back on me um, and allow them to teach me. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, what also I'd be interested to know, what do you do when someone 
really is not okay with you saying no to them, even though you've been very open and you've communicated why. If they really don't take that well, well, how do you deal with that? Yeah, and that I would say comes back to the earlier point about opinions versus convictions. You know, if there is something that as a leader you are absolutely set that this is the right way to do it. This is something I believe. This is something that we need to do as a business. You have to trust that you have been hired into this role for a reason. You know, we all have our own skills and experiences. And the reason you are in the role that you're in is because of your skills and experiences. And at times like that, that's when you have to make difficult decisions. And, you know, you also have to say, if this goes wrong, this is on me. Like, I am so confident that this is what we need to be doing as a business that you know I will own this do you find it easy to say no to the sales team I mean a a lot of people often say oh they're they're on different kind of they have different focuses (laughs) (laughs) different plans do do you find it quite easy to say no to them or is it quite difficult to ensure that you are alive but you're saying saying no when necessary yeah um you know that's a really important point because um in in the blog I actually talked about the relationship with sales and as a marketer especially in b2b everyone will tell you that having a great relationship with sales is the most important thing marketing 101 that's what needs to happen um but I would say having a great relationship is not always saying yes um the the most successful sales and marketing relationships are definitely the ones where you're working together towards a common goal. And when marketing have a really strong, um, a strong place at the table, and I think um, the ability to say no comes with having that respectful, um, harmonious relationship where it truly does feel like a partnership. And you know where um, you have situations where marketing stops at MQLs and anything past that is sales responsibility, I think creates difficulty um, and doesn't allow you to have that opportunity. When sales and marketing truly own the revenue together, I think you have a lot more opportunity um, and credibility to say no and to be your expert in your field. So it's not easy because um, in most B2B businesses, the revenue number is the most important thing. I'm a little more interested in how you deal with other departments, not going to name any names, but those who maybe don't understand what marketing really is and what it does. Uh, everyone thinks they're a marketer, but we know they're not and we hate it that they think they do. Um, so when you're dealing with those people and those senior stakeholders that maybe don't have the understanding of how marketing really operates, is that a more difficult conversation for you to have? Um, and do you have any tips on how you can, on a maybe medium and a long term, improve how that works? Yeah, I think that is really common. And probably because of what I just said, that marketing 101 is having a great sales and marketing relationship. Um, so I think it's a really good point that actually people don't often um, focus on the relationships outside of sales. There's a couple of things which I personally um, think is really helpful when doing that. So first of all, um, you know, engaging people from other departments to come in and spend time with your team is really, really helpful because they they get a good understanding of what you're doing. Plus, they, you know, everyone likes to feel wanted. So when I have um, my team meetings or my team offsite, 
I will invite other departments to come and present on something that they are doing that's relevant to the business so that my team has a good understanding of the business. They get a better understanding of our needs and wants and what we're doing. And also it starts to create that relationship. So that would be my first tip. Um, My second would be, I think marketers often get feedback that um, they present a sunny view of things. You know, there's nothing more frustrating for um, people within an organization that, you know, if a, a company's not hitting various goals, but marketing is saying, we're pres- well, we're hitting all of our goals, um, that can be really frustrating. So I think as a marketing team, aligning to the wider business goals and making sure that um, your success really is about company success, not just your departmental success. Um, I think that's everything then. Um, so there you have it, some really insightful tips. from. Yeah, Jada. I thought that was really interesting. Molly, what was your favourite bit of that interview? I really like the idea of the psychometric test. Um, I've actually done one before and they are scarily accurate. And it's a great way to kind of see how it, it doesn't show your faults. It just shows the way you would approach something or react to it. And it's a really good way to be mindful of yourself when dealing with other people and giving feedback so I I really liked the idea that all of Workfront do that and they kind of associate themselves with these colors and are mindful of management are doing mindful managing basically great and for any of our listeners that are interested in having that test for themselves I've put a link in the description for the episode so you can go along and find out which color you are feel free to tweet Molly with your score and she will make sure she judges you for it appropriately. <laughs> so Adam, what was your favorite book from uh, the chat? For me, it was really understanding how you should understand who you are as a person before you look at how you say no. I'm sure if you speak to my boss, the bull in a China shop comment was relatable content to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's something I need to think about being more methodical and process driven when I push back on people. Um, we'll see how that goes though. Let's be honest. So, <laughs> Okay. Well, that's all from us. We'll be back soon with another interview. Um, and let us know your feedback as always so we can improve this to make it as good for you thanks very much and have a good afternoon or evening or morning i don't listen to this at night it's weird bye